Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Smart Cities Chronicles, your podcast for everything smart cities, action, investment, and outcomes. My, my name is Adam Beck. I'm the host of the Chronicles and my day job executive director here in Australia and New Zealand for the Smart Cities Council. Uh, welcome to episode 78 of the Chronicles. Uh, and today we're going to talk about data literacy, a very uh, topical um, theme and topic uh, given I suppose what some uh, of us, whether it be businesses and cities have experienced over the last six or so months with the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, how we have used data uh, to help us uh, survive and thrive or not. Uh, and to, um, to join me on that conversation, I have Michelle Tice, a partner with GWI. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be with you, Adam. So, uh, Michelle, let's, uh, let's start with a bit of a bio from you. We have listeners all over the world. Uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, so I am a partner with GWI, which is a um, specialist management consultancy firm. Um, we are a team of people that are really passionate about digital transformation and the use of data and information to better business outcomes. Um, so I lead the data practice and the types of work that I get involved in are around um, helping people get good value out of their data. So I look at things like data governance, data ethics, data literacy, how to share data, how to collect the right data, how to make sure you're looking after people's privacy. So um, all good things, Adam. And um, Michelle, the COVID pandemic um, has, of course, thrown a curveball to many of us in public and private sector. Um, in, in Australia, as, as in other parts of the world, um, small business is sort of the, the engine room of the economy. Um, but data literacy is, is not just sort of restricted um, you know, it's an important issue to small businesses. It's all businesses. Um, what, um, as, as sort of a, a, a data enthusiast, a nerd, um, what have been some key observations with respect to businesses um, benefiting from having strong data literacy or not over the past six months? Are there some sort of headlines or, or key sort of observations or reflections you can share with us res with respect to the use of data and uh, how uh, data literacy uh, has helped or hindered um, business and government? Absolutely, there is. Um, so look, uh, as you would know, um, data literacy is the ability to read, write, interpret, work with and debate or communicate with data. So those um, businesses, whether they're small or large, those ones that have the ability to understand data, to read it, um, have been much more responsive in the COVID environment. So they are the ones that have been able to make decisions to protect their businesses or prepare for changes in their businesses earlier than many who haven't been able to read the data. I, I note, uh, I note sort of a key observation um, from uh, a Gartner survey around the fact that poor data literacy is ranked as the second biggest internal roadblock for success. Uh, in in particularly um, government and the office of you know the chief data officer and things like that, 
Um, tell us a little bit more uh, about um, how data literacy um, sort of sits alongside um, other sort of uh, functions um, or performance areas within an organization. Uh, I mean, I'm sure everyone would say that um, everything's a priority, right? But um, data, is, is, it, is it sort of jumping up there sort of year by year? Has, has COVID really sort of put data literacy up a few notches? Um, how has it historically sort of been uh, uh, important or a roadblock? And, and have we seen sort of um, that exacerbate recently? Um, I think we have seen that exacerbate. And I think um, Gartner's numbers are quite conservative. Um, mm. I, I think it's a bigger blocker than what they've actually indicated. So, as, you know, as we all know, more and more data is collected every day and the amount of data collected every year you know, more than quadruples. So we are in a society where data is woven into the fabric of our daily decisions. So um, those organisations that can, um, you know, encourage their staff to become more data literate, to get more accustomed to telling stories with data, to get more accustomed to visualising data, to sharing information about their business using a data focus, they're the ones that are actually, um, that we have seen make leaps and bounds in moving forward and getting better value from not only their data, but from their business. Uh, Michelle, when I kind of walk around the local sort of suburban centre and suburban village, you know, in suburban Brisbane, you know, where I sort of live, you know, you can have clusters of businesses, small businesses, medium sized businesses of all types, you know, the health center, um, the takeaway food shop, the cafe, um, uh, you've got a, obviously a, a diversity of sectors. Um, the, um, the, the, the sort of question that comes to mind for me is, how are all of the, and there's thousands and millions of them, right? Scattered all across the nation. Is there, is there some sort of responsible entity or mothership in which business can go to, to build data literacy? I mean, I, I don't know of uh, the Queensland Department of Data or Data Literacy. I don't know of the Federal Department of Data. How do we as a nation and therefore our small, our, you know, all businesses, how do we generally um, build our capability with data? Where do we go? Where, where, is it just everyone for themselves in terms of building data literacy? Is there sort of a one-stop shop? I'm, I'm trying to get my head around how, you know, particularly during COVID, you know, so many businesses impacted overnight very quickly. How does one scramble to try and make sense of the idea of using data, visualizing it, building their literacy? Where, where do we go? How does that work? Oh, what a great question. Um, there is no mothership that I'm aware of. And if there is, I want to get on board. Um, yeah. That's for sure. But look, you've mentioned, you know, businesses across very different industries. And many of those don't actually think of themselves as being a data organisation or a data business. And yet data underlies every decision that they make. So in retail, customers coming in the door, how many customers, what are their demographic, what are they buying this month as compared to last month? All of those things impact 
well, what do you order? What do you have in the shop? You know, like um, in healthcare, making sure you've got accurate data about patients informs obviously the treatment that you're going to get. And it seems really simple, right? But mm. it actually is so critical that it can mean the difference between life and death in some industries, health being one of those. Um, in the environment, we see scientists making different decisions about, you know, what, what plants they can grow, in what weather due to recent climate change, you know, all of these things impact people's um, financial viability um, and their businesses. So, look, there is no mothership, that's for mm. sure, but there is a lot of information about data literacy and in every industry it's a little bit different. So people often think that to be data literate you have to be a data scientist. Mm. That is so not true. Right. Um, every every role requires a level of data literacy, and that level changes depending on whether you're working on a factory floor or whether you are a C-suite executive. It does not matter. Um, but the important thing for everyone is to understand well what is the level of literacy required to fulfil a particular role in a particular sector or business. So, you know, at, um, on retail you might be able or you might need to understand um, reporting from the last month's sales figures to inform your purchasing or inventory. Um, in healthcare, you need to understand numbers that will enable you to mix medicines or treatments for a patient. Um, so it really does vary. And um, the best advice I can give is to actually um, look at the roles that you have and work out what level of skill you actually need and then start to uplift those skills to the required levels. I want to do a, a quick hypothetical with you and I'm going to paint two different scenarios. We'll do one at a time. So the first scenario is, uh, uh, Michelle, you have, uh, you've been given the magic wand by the department of education. Um, you are, uh, asked about your thoughts and advice on embedding data literacy into high school curricula. Um, I, I want to get a sense of, and I kind of think that it's never too early, right, to start learning this stuff. But um, if, if we're genuine and if we, if we thoroughly believe, you know, that, that data and generating insights um, is just like a fundamental core skill, in particularly the digital economy, the internet economy going forward, what one would think we got to, we got to start embedding this early. If, if you had the chance to sort of, you know, put your fingerprints on high school curricula, what might that look like? Uh, or, or, or is it too early? We've got to wait for university and you go off and sort of do data science related degrees. No, How no. early? Yeah, no, I would be going to the primary school curricula, actually, Adam. So yeah. like we teach um, kids to read and write in primary school, we should be teaching them to read and write with data. Um, I think it is an equally valuable skill or required skill in, in this, what is our, you know, fourth industrial revolution. I think it should be taught in primary school. And then as um, competencies advance, so does the curriculum as, as kids go into high school and then into university and then they decide what competencies they actually require for their careers. Um, but no, I don't think it's ever too early. Mm. So I, I'm not a, um, I'm not a regular sort of um, 
observe a day-to-day of, of sort of the STEM agenda. I, I know of it. I know what it is. And I've got a lot of people around me that are deeply involved in it. Is Australia's STEM or STEAM agenda picking up data literacy enough? Are you able to comment on that or it's a bit too fluid or? Um, it's, I don't think it is picking it up enough. Um, but then I also haven't reviewed what the latest um, curriculum changes have been over the last 12 months or so. But mm. uh, look, um, as I said before, um, learning these skills, uh, there is never a point where it's too early. We teach kids to count really early. Counting mm. is, you know, um, a part of this. So let, let's expand that repertoire and make sure that kids get that experience. But it doesn't just have to be through a formal education program. You learn about data and you learn to make decisions um, in life choices. So, you know, reading the news, uh, you're seeing data come through the newspapers. You're seeing uh, news readers present visualisations. We all need to understand what they're telling us. Uh, thank you for that. Second hypothetical, you get appointed as the new mayor of the city of Michelle. Yes. Um, you, you sort of have one of those epiphanies like many mayors do. They go on a... Uh, you know, an overseas trip, they meet another mayor, they see what's happening over overseas and they go, I want one of those. So, so that, it, so sort of you're, you're part of a city in an organization now that uh, wants to build data literacy. Um, two sub questions as part of this hypothetical as, as mayor or an advice or your advisor to a mayor um, internally, what might a data literacy journey look like? Second part to the question, I'd like your thoughts on it. How, how far or wide or deep do you go as a local authority to help small businesses or, or small to medium uh, enterprises in your jurisdiction build data literacy? So how much internal and what might external support look like? How far sort of do you go? Are there any good examples you've seen from other cities maybe? So as, as a local authority, uh, many of our listeners are, are from cities. Um, how would you approach that hypothetical? Um, so first of all, I'd start by working out what does good look like for my council and for my community, right? They're two different things. So my council workers, they need to be able to use the data that we've got to make the best decisions for our citizens. Um, so first of all, work out what good looks like work out what our skills gap is, and then look at a program of uplifting data literacy amongst my council staff. Um, in the community, uh, I think it's the same but different, Adam, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. small businesses do need data literacy skills. So as a council, I would like to see the businesses in my communities thriving. And to do that, I think um, my council will be offering some sort of skill skills training in the community so helping people um, determine what what they need to know and what for their business is the right level of competency i um i was recently talking to someone um within a local authority about um data analytics and capability um internally sort of how they're structured they've got an it team here they've kind of got a smart cities team there they've got a bit of analytics in the middle um as, as you rightly say data and the responsibility of data literacy and and using data kind of lies with 
um, with everyone. Um, but the, the topic of conversation went to this place of, because uh, some people are scared of data internally, even, even if you want to build capacity and train people and things like that. Some people are just still um, scared when it comes to, to data. Um, talk to me about this, this idea of being able to ask the right questions, you know, not that you have to know about data, um, but, but lead with really good lines of questioning that then allow the processes to follow in terms of then going in, finding the right data to allow you to sort of work on that problem or question or strategy. Can you sort of share some insights around, I suppose, what those different roles might be? You know, you've got a number cruncher sitting on level three. Um, you've got sort of a strategic um, planning person or some other um, sort of uh, role or, or, or responsibility somewhere else that is really sort of forward looking. How do the dynamics of those different sort of disciplines and, 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 and roles and responsibilities work? I was really intrigued about that idea of even if you know nothing about data, be a really good strategic questioner. Absolutely. Um, look, I think that boils down to having a shared language across your organisation. So if, and establishing that is not always easy, right? People um, always are challenged by, well, what is, how do we define revenue in our business? Or how do we define a customer in our business? So just having, establishing a shared language then enables people to use the same terms and ask more intelligent questions because you know that your audience is interpreting the same things as as you are trying to um, get answers for. But look, about the roles and responsibilities, it's really important that people do work together. So in building that common language, it then needs to be shared across the organisation. And regardless of whether you are the person on the front counter um, explaining an invoice to a customer or you are a person sort of in the analytics team that's actually programming machine learning, like obviously the level of competency of data literacy that each of you require is very different. And, um, you know, you don't expect everyone to be an expert. That's not what this is about. This is about people having the right level of literacy to perform their role. And so understanding what that right level of literacy is for each roles in the organisation is really important. And then when everybody knows that, then it's much easier for people to work together and leverage off each other's skills. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh. Uh, I, I like hypotheticals, of course. Um, <laughs> so, you, so, so you, you work for a local authority. Yeah. Um, you've been asked to create, you know, like a data team. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. You, you, you've been brought in to lead that. Yes. You have the budget and approval to hire three people. Yes. Who, what are you, who are those three people going to be in terms of their their background, uh, discipline, training, or kind of you know what, what KPIs are you going to give them? How, how, describe for us those three people. And and your brief is to build, of course data literacy and capability internally and also, you know, ex externally with, um, you know, with, with sort of uh, citizens and businesses. Describe those three people for me. So 
Yeah, and it really depends on what my council is actually trying to achieve, right? And it depends where my council is on its data journey. So um, maturing data capability is a journey. Um, and so if we're at the beginning of the journey, um, I could just have three people that can read and interpret data. They may not be able to program. They may not be able to write um, algorithms, but they can read and interpret data. And then as my capability as a council grows, then I would bring additional skills into that team. It doesn't mean that the same three people have to develop to be from being able to read and write to you know, writing really complex artificial intelligence algorithm. They don't have to be the same people. Um, so I, I would be looking at those people that um, could help me to solve the problem that I'm facing with at that time, right? If I'm halfway through my journey, I might need people who know how to mash data together and um, look at the quality of data and ensure that it's the right data at the right time to make our decisions. But if I'm at the other end of the spectrum and I'm looking to automate some of my business processes, then I would need people that could actually do some machine learning um, sort of scripting for me. So very, I'm sorry, it's not a yeah. direct answer, but it shows that there is a spectrum and you know, you, you employ the skills that you need at the time that you need them. Yeah. Is there, um, no, thank you for that. And that, and that was very insightful. Is, is there, um, uh, sorry, not is there, uh, where, where are we at with core elements of outsourcing? So for example, take your scenario there of, you know, very early on in your journey and you, you know, you, you sort of want your team to be able to read and write for heavy lifting. Um, I, I assume you sort of, can outsource or you can sort of purchase or procure certain products or platforms. How, how sort of, um, how sort of important is that these days? Um, and what's the balance uh, that you're finding in terms of councils um, building all capability in-house versus sort of, you know, predominantly relying on sort of external support? Um. Yeah, great question, Adam. Um, so I suppose if I start at the end of your question first, um, look, councils have core business. We all know that. That core business deals with servicing their communities in the best way possible. Um, that doesn't mean they have to be data scientists or high-end data people, but it does mean that they need to know how to partner or how to pull in the skills that they need when they need them. Um, and I think that's a really important thing um, to understand there are people in the industry who specialize in uh, you know uh, program development or AI um, they're offering AI as a service to organizations or they're you know they're helping people identify open data that they could bring together to solve a problem in their community like there's people that specialize in that so although councils do need um, levels of data literacy doesn't always have to be at that expert level as long as they know how to acquire that when they need it um, and if they can get a level of knowledge sharing from those people that are providing a service then that's really important to me are you um, are you seeing any particular trends uh, or other observations when it comes to 
partnerships with universities or other academic institutions? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think partnering with academic institutions is absolutely the way to go because, you know, you have got um, like-minded people in groups doing innovative things that can be leveraged in local communities. And so, yes, we see more and more councils starting to partner with universities in their regions to actually um, develop those skill sets and develop problem solving approaches. And that can mean that, you know, someone from the university might work with a local council for a short period of time or work in a startup hub with council members for a short period of time or vice versa. It could mean council staff actually going and, you know, brainstorming with people in the university to solve local problems. That's the important bit. Yeah. M Michelle, the, the sort of the, the COVID uh, challenge that, you know, we've been wrestling with, I think has certainly um, highlighted the importance of data, um, visualisation, storytelling. You know, every day we, we ha we, we're, we're on the edge of our seat waiting for the 11am update of numbers. I mean, you know, if, if data isn't part of your, your daily diet or intake now, you know, I, I don't know if it ever will be. Um, do you, do you feel at all that 2020 is, um, is, is sort of giving us the extra impetus to sort of review, reflect, uh, bolster our capability, our literacy, our investment in data? Yes, I do. And I actually think that's been one of the silver linings, I've got to say. Um, it has forced people to think ahead. It has forced people to be more responsive. Um, it has forced people to actually think more about data and not just data in their business, but data around our communities that are impacting on our business and actually starting to read, you know, or predict what we see coming. Um, for our particular lines of business. And that could be either, you know, in a sales pipeline, it could be in a drop of customer numbers, it could be in change of demographic of people that are dealing with our business. Um, so, yeah, being able to be responsive and agile, uh, I think that's one of the good things that's come out of um, COVID-19. Yeah. Um, a bit of a nice question here, Michelle. Um, we've We've certainly engaged and come across a number of, um, local authorities who wish they had some data sets, uh, but, but, but haven't had them. Um, and at times they're data sets that uh, are held, you know, by private companies, you know, spend data, you know, is, is just one mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. you know, data can be pretty costly to procure and, and, and purchase. Um, I, I hope that 2020 probably presents a little bit more of a business case opportunity for them to, to invest in that. Uh, but I want to ask you if you've seen, uh, if you're seeing any particular observations around the level of um, uh, sort of procurement and investment now in purchasing data by local authorities from private sector entities. Um, I, I certainly think it's increased the appetite. Um, yeah. I, I can't say that I've identified a pattern where that is increasing, but I think it has made people more aware of the um, data that they need to inform their decision-making. And so that in itself is a great thing. 
Um, I think the next stage will then be to actually develop the business cases that they need to put forward to say, well, you know, access to this data would provide us with this level of value and start sort of working out how to get their hands on that data. Yeah. How to make it more open. Yeah. Actually, just on that open, um, that, that's sort of a segue to sort of my final technical question to you. Uh, I mean, you and, and, and GWI dabble in some some pretty exciting, what I would call data activation approaches and platforms like data exchanges, data trusts. Um, I know we've been talking about data literacy, reading, writing data. You did mention data visualization, which are, of course, certain functions of some of these platforms. Um, we know that there's a lot of open data portals, you know, where you can go and you can log on and download. Um, uh, just on those types of approaches, you know, exchanging data, sharing data, opening data, um, any observations to share on those fronts from what's been happening over the last six months, increasing appetite, put on the back burner, we just want to do the basics. Any Anything that you can share on, on your observations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Adam, those businesses that are um, able to advance really quickly um, or are able to sort of move around an analytics sort of spectrum from, you know, just looking at their data and saying, well, this, this is what happened, to be able to say, well, this is why it happened, to be able to say, well, this is what we think is going to happen next, to be able to say, well, this is what we think we need to do to prevent that from happening. So helping businesses move along that scale, um, I think, is really important. And those businesses that are able to do that are the ones that establish really robust foundations to start with. So they know their data, they know the quality of their data, they know who's responsible for their data, they know who they can share their data with, they know what privacy preserving measures they need to put in place for that data. And those robust foundations then prevent data breaches, they prevent or they, they enable um, data sharing without any data breaches, but they also enable business decisions. And so, um, I think what we have seen over the last six months is people realising that some of that boring data work um, is actually vital mm. to, you know, uh, greater success. And so we've seen people going back to saying, okay, let's work out what quality of data do we actually require and what data are we collecting and why? Um, and just looking at what, what their practices are. I think that's been a really big thing that's come out of the last six six to probably eight months for us. We've seen that happening. Michelle, last question now, probably more, you know, of a personal one. Um, can I ask you what you're looking forward to over the next sort of six to 12 months? Um, yeah, interesting. Um, things in the data world are changing quite quickly. Um, so for us, enabling businesses is, um, really important and and really something I'm really passionate about. I don't think people realise the value of the data that they hold and um, it may not sound very exciting, Adam, but getting, working with a council or working with a business to actually get them to understand what they can do with data and what difference it can make in people's day-to-day -day lives, 
um, that's the most exciting thing for me. Um, is and it might be small steps at a time, but overall the change can be enormous. Um, so yeah, data enablement for me is a great thing, but I'm also looking forward to some more delivery as a service. So we spoke about earlier about you know um, getting skills in or partnering with organisations that have the skill sets that you require to deliver a service or to maintain a service for you. I think that will become bigger and greater in the next 12 months and GWI look forward to being a huge part of that. That's awesome. I, uh, I certainly share those uh, sort of aspirations. And as you say, you know, if there's a silver lining that potentially comes out of 2020 is um, uh, our, our uh, increased uh, interest and, and hopefully therefore action and investment around um, building our uh, our data literacy and, and capability uh, and ultimately that's going to help us sort of build resilience. Michelle, um, it's been a delight to, delight to talk to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Adam. So uh, for our listeners, that was uh, Michelle Tice, partner uh, at GWI. For our listeners who are not subscribing to the Chronicles, you can do so. Head to your favourite place or platform where you get your podcasts uh, search for the smart cities chronicles will be there you can also head to our website smartcitieschronicles.com all our podcasts are up there you can also subscribe to our newsletter uh, my name uh, is adam beck your host of the chronicles uh, thank you for joining us today we look forward to bringing you another episode very soon everyone stay safe and have a fantastic day thanks <music>